are thankful for the hope that we have in Jesus, in his death for our sins and his resurrection from the tomb gives us a living hope that we celebrate today. As we continue to worship you this morning, I pray that you would open up our eyes to the meaning of your word, that your Holy Spirit would help us see what we need to see, whether that's conviction of sin or the challenge to follow Jesus more closely. We pray that you would speak to our hearts in these moments together. It's in Jesus' good name that I pray. Amen and amen. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word, uh, open it up or turn your device on and look with me in the book of 1 Peter. The book of 1 Peter, we're going to be in chapter 1. We're going to look at the first nine verses of 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want to share a message with you very briefly this morning. And you know what a preacher says briefly, they mean not really. Uh, But uh, briefly this morning about the idea of the living hope of Easter. Or the living hope of what we are celebrating here today. Think about that word hope. That idea is very powerful. Uh, If you are a member here, if you have attended here, you know I grew up in in Arkansas, and I grew up uh, just a few miles outside of Hope, Arkansas, which is the home to a fairly famous guy who was president of our United States, President Bill Clinton. And uh, as President Clinton was was running for office, he was born in Hope. He, He grew up in Hot Springs, just up the highway a little bit, and as he was running for office, everybody in hope was like, hey, Bill Clinton, he's a hope man. He's our guy. Everybody in Hot Springs is like, no, he was born in hope, but he grew up in Hot Springs. He's a Hot Springs guy. I mean, hope and Hot Springs, they went back and forth. He's our guy. No, he's our guy as he's running for office. He had been in office for a few uh, months and folks in hope said, you know, Clinton, he's that Hot Springs guy. And in Hot Springs is like, no, 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 no. He's a hope guy. Y'all, uh, he's born. He was there. He's y'all. And just back and forth, completely opposite. But when President Clinton was uh, making a campaign speech, he said, I still believe in a place called hope. And when he said that, man, everybody around our hometown went crazy because that was, he was bringing in Hope, Arkansas. He was bringing in, he was talking about this place called hope, and, and it propelled him to to, to become a little bit more famous. And, and we may, uh, I can take you if you want to, I'll take you sometime to, to Hope, Arkansas. I can show you a place called Hope. But this morning, I want to talk to you about a reality that we call hope. A reality that's something that we can experience and you ain't got to drive nowhere. Someone's already done all the work for us. This is a big day in Christianity as we celebrate the resurrection But why? What difference does the resurrection make in my life? What difference does it make in my life on this side of eternity? What difference does it make on the other side of eternity? Simply put, and I could say this, and this will be the sermon, but I'm not. I'm going to say a little bit more. But simply put, a dead Savior does no one any good. 
but a living Savior, one who is alive and well right now at this moment, who has defeated death, who has defeated hell, who has defeated the grave, who has defeated sin, a living Savior makes all the difference. A living Savior can transform everything that has been touched by death and instead he can give light. Wherever there is darkness, a living Savior can provide light. A living Savior provides us with living hope both for the world to come and the world in which we live right now. Great theologian and teacher D.A. Carson said this one time, he said, you are not suffering anything that a good resurrection can't fix. (laughs) There's nothing we'll experience in life that the power of the living hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ cannot fix. There was a group of Christians who lived in the year, around the year 65, not 1965, the year 0065. About 65 years after Jesus had died, this group of Christians were meeting together, and they began to have their world turned upside down. Politically and religiously, persecution came upon them. It was so intense that they had to leave where they were. They had to flee into every other part of the world. And as they went to these different parts of the world, there was a disciple of Jesus whose name was Peter, and Peter wrote them a letter. It's the letter of 1 Peter, the epistle that Peter wrote. Then in that letter that he wrote to them, He offered them some hopeful words. Their world had been turned upside down, but he wanted them to be anchored in hope. I don't think it's a stretch for us to say this morning that as we look around, we can see that our world has in many ways been turned upside down. That maybe you're going through something right now and you feel like that your life is upside down. As we look around us at our political climate, we certainly see an upside down world. As we look to the future, we can get a little bit fearful about what's to come. We need a thing called hope, and thankfully, Jesus is going to give that to us. First Peter chapter 1 opens up by saying, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, According to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, 
Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do now not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Two very important words back up there in verse 1. He calls the people of God elect exiles. Elect means we are chosen, which means that God, we belong to God. Exile speaks to our current relationship with the world in which we live. Peter is writing to a group of people who have literally been exiled from their country, and he uses that as a metaphor for all Christians in all contexts across all experiences and times. An exile is someone whose home is somewhere else, but for some undefined amount of time, they have to make their home in a new place. They're status as an exile causes them to invest in their new community, to form relationships, to learn the culture, but they don't want to get too attached or settled in this temporary location, but they, that they want to remember that they are looking for a day in which they will return to their true home. See, Peter wants us to change our mentality when it comes to the world that's around us. You see, if you belong to Jesus, this world is not your true home. You don't need to become overly obsessed with what you experience and what you have here. If you belong to Jesus, you are an exile. You belong to a different kingdom with a different set of values and you follow a different authority. We are exiles. I am an exile on this earth because my citizenship has been transferred from this earth to heaven through my salvation. Notice the emphasis of the Father's mercy in verse Verse 3, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again, to be saved, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, Jesus lived the life we should have lived but never could. And he died the death we were condemned to die. Jesus did not just die for us. He died instead of us. In fact, you can summarize the gospel in four simple words. Jesus in my place. That's what the gospel is all about. That's what our salvation is all about. Jesus in my place. You see, that salvation then brings us a living hope through his resurrection. Living hope is a hope that is stronger than death. It's a hope that extends beyond death. I want to ask you something this morning. Where is your hope for the future? Where is this kind of hope that Peter talks about? 
about. He says it's in the resurrection. You see, the resurrection, in the resurrection, everything permanent that could destroy us or defeat us was crushed and defeated. Where's your hope? Right now. You see, a lot of us, I promise I'm getting to the points in just a few minutes. Hang on. A lot of us, we fix our hope on some point we think will happen on this side of eternity. We fix our hope on circumstances that we think will change. One day I'll have a better job. One day I'll get married. One day my marriage will get better. One day my kids will act like they're supposed to act. One day I'll get the recognition I deserve. One day my hope is fixed that that one day on this side of eternity, my chronic pain will stop. That one day on this side of eternity, my disease will be cured. But what if those things don't happen? What if... The job doesn't get better. What if the marriage never occurs? What if the marriage that occurred doesn't get better? What if the kids don't improve and mind their manners? What happens if the disease is not cured? What happens if the pain doesn't subside? Where is your hope? Do you have a living hope that death cannot touch? Do you have a shelter that the storms of life cannot shake? Do you have a rock upon which you're building your life and upon that rock nothing will deter it? Where is your home? Where is your hope? Peter says in the resurrection, we have a living hope. Look again at what he said it consists of. He says it consists in verse 5, our living hope. We are being, by God's power, being guarded through faith for our salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this hope we rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Let me share with you quickly this morning, and I do mean quickly, three things that this living hope is all about, according to what Peter wrote. First is this, we have a living hope because we belong to Jesus. If you belong to Jesus You have a living hope no matter what else happens. Belonging to Christ, just knowing Christ, gives us this living hope. Why? Because if you have a relationship, catch this, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you have a relationship with a living Savior, and a living Savior gives us living hope. Though you have not seen him, verse 8, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Peter says that the goal of our salvation, the hope that sustains us is believing in Jesus and belonging to Jesus. Let me ask it to you this way. 
Do you view Jesus as useful or do you view, or do you view him as beautiful? Do you view Jesus as a means to an end? Or do you view Jesus as the end in and of himself? You see, when you view Jesus primarily as useful, God becomes a, a means to an end to give you something you want, whether that's you, you, you do something and you hope that, that he'll feel obligated to give you something like a, a better marriage or well-behaved kids or streets of gold or a mansion in heaven. When you view him as useful, you just seek to use him. But when you view Jesus as beautiful, you don't view him as the means to an end. You view him as the end in himself. Listen, my friend, my hope, my my hope isn't in, isn't in the fact that Christ is going to give me something on this side of eternity or get me out of something on this side of eternity. My hope, living hope, is wrapped up in the truth that I belong to Jesus and I have learned that Jesus is enough. Amen. Just having him is enough for my hope. We have a living hope because we belong to Christ. Number two, we have a living hope because we are becoming like Christ. <clears throat> we belong to Christ, but we're also becoming like Christ. Peter talks in verse 9 about obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The goal of our faith is the salvation of our souls. Our living hope is, is through the resurrection of Christ. And can I just show you from a couple of verses? As older preachers used to say, if this don't light your fire, your wood's wet. As, as, Jesus as, as Peter talks to us about this living hope we have in Jesus, he shows us what the resurrection does for us and how it frees us. You see, for example, Peter says in verse 3 that the death and resurrection of Jesus freed us from the penalty of sin. He says in verse 3 that according to God's great mercy, he's caused us, that's past tense, he has caused us to be born again. Theologians call this <clears throat> justification. It's something that's happened in the past that because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that when you embrace Christ as your Savior, you receive at that moment forgiveness for all of your sins. You were given the righteousness of Christ and you stood blameless in his sight. Only the resurrection can give us the living hope of being freed from the penalty of sin. But Peter also tells us that the death and resurrection of Jesus will one day free us from the presence of sin. He says in verse 4, to an inheritance that's imperishable, defiled, unfading, it's kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time, that is in the future. This is our glorification, our glorification in the presence of Jesus revealed in the last time. My friend, a day is coming because of the resurrection, because of this living hope. A day is coming when we will have a perfect and a pure heart that no longer struggles with things like jealousy and pride and indifference and doubt and discontentment because we will be like Jesus. Is that your hope? That you've got hope in Jesus that is going to free you from the presence of sin and 
Peter tells us that the death and resurrection of Jesus, it frees us from the power of sin. He says in verse 6 that it's in this hope that we rejoice, in this salvation. Though now for a little while if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor through revelation of Jesus Christ. This is what we call our sanctification, and it's happening right now. Think about this. When your world is turned upside down, guess who else's world was turned upside down? His name is Jesus. Guess who else it was? Jesus. I'm giving you the answers. This is like having the Easter egg with all the money in it. It's right there. When you suffer, when you go through suffering in life, guess who went through the most suffering? Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote in one of his letters, the exact one escapes me, I think it was to the Corinthians. He said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And we're all there for that one. But he also says, I want to have fellowship with him in his sufferings. Because you see, as we go through life, as we cling to this hope, as we experience setbacks and trials and adversity, God uses the testing of our faith to make us more like Jesus Christ. As you live from this living hope, you become more like him. All three aspects are involved in our salvation. We are justified. We're being sanctified. We will be glorified. And our living hope rests in the truth that we're becoming like Christ. You see, living hope means that we belong to Christ. It means that we are becoming like Christ. Number three, we have a living hope because we will one day be with Christ. I had an uncle who, my mother passed away two and a half years ago, uh, December 2020. My father passed away May of last year. And uh, my, my uncle, my mom's oldest brother, passed away a few weeks ago when I was talking with my brother. And uh, in between that, we also had a very close family friend who was just like family to us who, who passed away. And I told him, I said, you know what, Jeff? I said, we have got almost as many family on that side as we've got on this side. And what a living hope we have in knowing that one day they're on that side, but one day I'm going to be on that side too with Jesus. Oh, look at what he said in verse four. He said this, this living hope has caused us to be born again to an inheritance that is imperishable. We, the people of God, we have an inheritance that is imperishable. It is undefiled. It is unfading. It is kept in heaven for you. It is imperishable. It cannot be destroyed. It is undefiled. It will never, ever spoil. It is unfading. It will last forever. It's kept in heaven. No one can ever take it away. We have an inheritance that we are going to enjoy because of the resurrection. 
with the Father through the Son that is preserved and protected from disease and corruption. Ladies and gentlemen, a time is coming when every sad thing in this life becomes untrue. A day is coming when disease is taken away. A day is coming in which relationships will finally be fully restored. A day is coming when pain is no longer existent. A day is coming when death is kicked in the teeth and God wipes away every tear from our eyes. That is living hope. And because I know that day is coming, I can endure this day. For you see, this day is nothing but a vapor. Your life and my life, just like a mist that appears for a moment and it's gone away. Eternity lasts forever. So what's going to happen today in my life, and I won't do it perfectly, I'll not follow Jesus as closely as I should. I'll not honor him in all that I say and do. If I hit my thumb, I'll probably say something I have to repent of. I may get frustrated with somebody, maybe somebody in this room, I don't know, we'll see how the day goes. I will not follow Jesus as closely as I should. I will not be perfect. But I will tell you this. Throughout this day, I'm not worried one bit if I make it to the end or not. Not at all. If I make it to this evening, and tonight I lay in my bed, I'm not really concerned about whether I wake up the next day or not. It, it really, it just does not bother me. Because there is a living hope within me that reminds me that to live is Christ. Lord, if you keep me here, I'm glad to try to serve you. But to die is gain. So whether I'm here tomorrow, that's a win. Or if I'm in the presence of Jesus before I walk out from behind his pulpit, it's a win as well. It'd freak you out, but it's a win as well. <laughs> we win no matter what happens. No matter what happens overseas, no matter what happens in a White House, no matter what happens even in a church house, I'm a winner. Not because I'm good, but because my Jesus is. And because he lived a life I could never live. And he died a death that I should have died. Do you have that living hope? If you don't have that living hope, may I beg you today to place your faith in what Jesus has done for you. To trust in his work for you on a cross. That when he died on that cross, he died for your sins in your place. So that if you would confess those sins to him, repent of them, and simply trust in his work, he would give you this living hope because he's alive today. 
In fact, not only is he alive, as the theologians a long time ago said, he ain't even sick. <laughs> and he has living hope that he'll give you today. If you've got a question about what that means to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, in a few minutes we're going to stand and sing, and, and you can come ask me and say, Pastor, I need to talk to someone about what it means to have this living hope, and I'll get you to someone to talk about that today. Maybe you know you, you, what you need to do, and maybe in this moment, in a few moments when I pray, you need to pray, and you need to make that decision. And you do that right where you are at that pew, where you sit. Before you leave today, come by the next step desk and say, Pastor, I need to have this living hope. And may I say to those of you who are here today who are already followers of Jesus and you have this living hope, may I beg of you, live in it. Live in that living hope. That no matter what happens in this life, God is greater. God is bigger. Because Jesus is alive. If there is a decision you need to make, you can find a card on the pew in front of you, on the back side or the front side, depending on how you pick it up. There is a place for you to indicate the next step that you need to take. Or when you walk out these doors today, if, you, if you're trying to get out in a hurry, there are going to be, there's a couple of stands that, that are set up that says, ready to take the next step. You can scan that code and take the next step as well and let us know that step you need to take. Don't leave here today without a living hope. Because it doesn't matter how good an Easter Sunday you have with your family and friends, if you don't have a living hope, you don't have anything. But if you have a living hope, you have everything. Father, I thank you for the living hope that Jesus gives to us. And I pray that every single person in this room would experience that living hope. But Lord, if there are those in this room that have yet to experience it, may today be the day that their hearts are filled with hope that comes from a risen Savior. We give this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.